you. Today I want to do something we don't normally do. It's not a series, but I want to kind of hook onto what Pastor Zach talked about last Sunday, but go in a slightly different direction. And I want to talk to you today about missing pieces. Missing pieces. And I want to start with three or four statements, and I want you to listen to these for just a moment. Ministry happens in many different ways. Pastor Zach talked about this last week. In the New Testament, when you see the word minister or ministry or you see the word serve or service or serving, they come from the same root word. Oftentimes, they're interchangeable. To minister is to serve. To serve is to minister. So if you're serving somewhere in the body, wherever you're serving takes place, you're ministering to people there. If you are ministering to people, you are serving people. We serve God by serving people. Jesus said, you want to be great in the kingdom? Learn to serve those around you. So ministry happens in many different ways. Ministry also happens in a lot of different places. We don't want to confine ministry to the platform on Sunday morning. and That's a good place to start, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But it doesn't get confined here because ministry happens in a lot of places. Next thought, ministry happens through the life of every willing believer. Let me say that again. Ministry happens through the life of every willing believer. And each and every one of us who put our faith in Jesus, who are part of the family of God, every one of us are important and we're valuable to God's plan in the earth. Every one of us. Uh, I wish I had time this morning to just walk down every aisle and just reach out and put my finger on the end of everybody's nose and say, you are valuable to God's plan. Because you are. You are valuable. Now, last week, Pastor Zach talked about Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to refer to it without having you turn there. But in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning around verse 9 or 10, down through verse 16, Paul talks about God gifting the church and why he did it. And what it literally says is that Jesus, when he finished his work on earth and he ascended to the Father's right hand, he received gifts to give to men, to give to the church. And what he said is there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Some call it fivefold ministry. Some put pastors and teachers together and call it fourfold. I don't care how you see it. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't make any difference because they're functions. They're not titles. But here's the point. He said, God has put these gifts in the church because God wants to use them to equip the entire church to be involved in ministry. So God uses people like me for a lot of reasons, but the main purpose is to equip everybody in the church to do their part in the work of the ministry. Now, Pastor Zach last week talked about our mission as a whole. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction today, but, but I want to show you some things for a few minutes here. Some people expect the pastor to have all the answers and to have all the ministry gifts all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. But can I tell you something? That was never God's plan. 
Now, I know God gifts us in different ways, and I know sometimes some church leaders are extremely gifted, but it was never God's plan to pour all the gifts into one person and say, okay, you go do the work of the ministry. It is God's plan for us to equip the entire church to do the work of the ministry. Now, can I just say to you today, if, if you expect me to have all the answers and all the giftings and all of the stuff that needs to happen for you, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, can I just tell you something? You're going to be extremely disappointed. Because <laughs> there's a lot of gifts I don't possess. But you possess gifts I don't possess, just like I possess gifts you may not possess. But God puts us together as a family. And if ministry gets limited only to the church platform, then the impact of that church in the community and around the world is severely limited. We have to understand God doesn't want to just minister on Sunday morning in church. He wants to minister through our lives seven days a week if we understand how God wants to use us. Now, it's interesting, as you read through Ephesians 4, like I told you, if you want to go home and read it, great, but I don't, I don't want to take time out this morning because I want to go in a little different direction here in a moment. But there are four things that it says that happens. There are four impacts of effective church ministry. One is people come into the unity of faith. They come into a common faith. They come to common faith. They, they begin to join hands. They begin to discuss. They begin to share. And when they begin to share and have things in common, then they begin to realize that one person's faith feeds another person's faith. And one person is growing here, and he shares, and another person grows there, and then we pass it on to the next person. And the first thing you know, this is not about religion. It's about us being in relationship with God. If all we do is go to church on Sunday and serve an institution, we are missing the point. This is about feeding you to go out and do the work of God. That's why we have these services on Sunday morning, in part, to minister, to be a blessing so that we can turn around and be a blessing to others. So we develop this common faith where life with God is about trusting him and believing him to do what he said he would do. And people start growing together. And then the next thing it says is people are established in sound scriptural teaching. You know, I thank God for all the giftings in the church. And thank God for all the church leaders. But you know what? Sometimes we get so busy following this man or that man and his doctrine and his theology, and we have to listen to this guy every week to figure out what we're supposed to believe about this. Sometimes we miss the point. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, and teach them the things that I have taught you. We need to get our attention focused on what Jesus has said and build our lives around that. That's where sound doctrine and teaching comes from. That's what happens in a healthy church. And a third thing... Spiritual growth begins to happen, and we begin to develop and mature spiritually. And you know, that, that's not to cause us to compare ourselves by each other. Paul said, if you compare yourselves among yourselves, you're foolish, you're unwise. Because if you want to be proud of who you are, you need to not look at your neighbor or the pastor or somebody else. You need to look at Jesus and realize, I've still got a ways to go. Amen. That's what I do. I look at Jesus and I realize, wow, have I got a distance 
to go. But we start to grow in Christ. We become stable and strong because our eyes are on Jesus. And then the fourth thing that happens, as Paul told us here in Ephesians 4, that there's a process that's developed. That it says the body begins to get into place and people begin to minister to people and we give to the church and we receive to the church. We give to brothers and sisters. We receive from brothers and sisters. We get connected in such a way that there's a continual cycle of ministry taking place. That as new needs arise, people are there to minister to one another. And it's a refreshing, growing, ongoing process. Zach mentioned this last week, but let me just use his words and put a little different spin on it. God calls people out of darkness. You know, remember it says that saints are people who've been called from an awful thing. How many of you remember being called from an awful thing? Has God called you from an awful thing to a better thing? Maybe not. Am I going too fast this morning? Let me slow down. Has God called you from an awful thing into a better thing? Here we go. I like that. I like that. God calls us out of this awful thing, and he begins to piece together this puzzle that he calls three things, his family, where we find love and acceptance, his church, where we find order and structure, and then the third expression is the body of Christ, where we find function and purpose. Let me tell you about the body of Christ. When Jesus finished his work on earth, he ascended to the Father. Scripture says he is now the head of the church. He's the head of the church. But it also says that you and I, believers, listen to me, the church, the family of God, if you're a believer in Jesus, we are also the body of Christ in the earth doing what the head has called us to do, what he enables us to do, what he sends us to do. So we are the body of Christ. And you know, if you look at this screen today, the body of Christ is an amazing mystery. Paul talked about it. He said, man, it's mysterious. But each one of us is a piece in the puzzle of the body of Christ. We're each one a piece, a part of the body of Christ. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is we don't want to be missing pieces because we are valuable to God and we're valuable to each other. Look, if you would, at Acts chapter 2. We talked for just a couple of minutes here about God has a plan for ministry. It's the body of Christ. We're to minister to one another. Now, in Acts chapter 2, I want us to look at an effective church. This is the first church that grew at the day of Pentecost, starting there, and then it describes what happens in the weeks that followed. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly. What it literally means is they committed themselves, they devoted themselves to the work of God, to the church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Skip to verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, in, in this passage of Scripture, we teach this from time to time. But in this passage of Scripture, there are four things, four components that you see in the early church that needs to be in the life of every church. Number one, people become students 
of the teaching of God's Word. People become students of the teaching of God's Word. Why do we teach God's words on Sunday morning here? Why? So people can learn. So people can apply them to life. So we can take the Word of God and be hearers of the Word, be understanders of the Word, and then go out and put it to work in our own lives so it begins to change our lives. But you can't put the Word to work until you have been taught the Word and you've received the Word and you understand it. Once you've received it and understand it, you put it to work in your life and you let God work. We teach God's Word because God's Word changes lives. It just does. The second thing that you see is that people got connected with each other. People got connected with each other. You know, we're the Bridge Church, and we talk about what our calling is, twofold. Number one, to connect people with God. Number two, to connect people with people. That's what happened in the early church. People got connected with God, and then people began to connect with each other. These people began to hang out. I don't know that they did it two days a week, five days a week, six days a week, seven. I don't know. We don't know for sure. But people began to hang out, and they began to do life together, and they began to share life together. They got connected to each other. And the interesting thing is there was a common thread that held them together. Now, and I want you to hear this because it's so important. In three weeks from today... We're going to launch our next season of Connect Groups. Our Connect Groups here at the Bridge, if you don't know this, we run in seasons. We run for about three months, basically, and then we take a break. Break in the winter, and then we break in the summer. But we run them in a season so you can get involved in a season of life, make your commitment, be involved in a group, and so many things will happen in that group, which I'll get to later. But in that, there's a common thread that holds us together. It's the same thing that held the early church together. It's our faith in Jesus. It's not about some man's teaching and some man's doctrine, about, not about people's ideas. It's about doing life with Jesus and doing life with each other and learning from each other. So we have these connect groups that launch in three weeks, and we encourage everybody, if at all possible, even if you can't get there every time the group meets, get involved in a group and get connected with some believers. Why? Because amazing things begin to happen when we get connected to each other. They just do. They just do because God gets involved. The common thread becomes Jesus. And then, and then the third thing that, that happened in the early church, they got together, they hung out, they connected, they shared, and then they prayed for each other. Can anybody tell me why it's important that we pray for each other? Because God answers prayer. They didn't pray for the fun of it. They didn't pray as a spiritual exercise. They prayed because they were people of faith. And they believed if they could not meet a need, they would pray and God would do something. And when they prayed those kinds of prayers of agreement, God began to do amazing things among the people. And they couldn't wait to get together again and hang out and share needs because when they prayed, God answered prayer. We need to have that as a part of our lives. And then the fourth thing, Scripture says they developed a simplicity of heart. A simplicity of heart. The word simplicity here in the original writings really means a singleness of heart. Now, let me, let me explain this to you. Life today can become very, very complicated. Can I get three amens? Life is busy. 
Many of you drive several miles to work in traffic. I had the joy Friday morning of driving to Orange County. It was a wonderful experience. <laughs> I, used to la I used to mock that until I had to drive to the airport in San Diego a couple times. It's not funny anymore because either direction you go, it's, it's trouble. But here's the point. Life is busy. And there are a lot of things trying to get our attention. You've got kids. They need to be here. They need to be there. They need to go this, need to go that. We get so busy. We have such long days that sometimes at the end of the day, we just hope we have time to gasp and say, Jesus, help me. But what happens is when you take time out of your life to connect with believers and you begin to focus with each other for a short period of time about what's important in life and what's not, all of a sudden, a simplicity of heart begins to settle, and you begin to understand, here's what's important, and here's what's not important. Here's what I need to spend less time with. Here's what I need to spend more time with. Here's what's eternally important, and here's what's only here for a season. So here's what Jesus said about it. Jesus said in the parable of the sower, there are people who grow up, they get mature, they become strong, but they get so busy with the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches that they can't bear fruit. You know, there have been seasons in my life where I am so busy with the work that I forget about the walk. We've got to be careful about that. Because when we walk with God and when we're doing life with other people, it brings things back into focus and we understand what's important and what's not. And life becomes much more simple. And we have that simplicity of heart and we have a new focus on what's important. One of the things I've learned is these things we're talking about, these four things, they pretty much only exist where people are connected to other people, where believers are connected with other believers. And then the result of all of this is the church just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. You know what the secret is to church growth? It's people ministering to people. That's the secret to church growth. And you're important to that process. Now, let me show you something else. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I love Romans 12. It starts out where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He gives us instructions of how to, su to submit to God and see God lead us into his will. But then in verse 3, he follows that up, and, and usually we stop at the end of verse 2, and we miss what Paul begins to point at next. I want to look at it today. Romans 12, look at verse 3. Paul says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, I'm going to read on in verse 6 in just a moment, but let, let me point out three things real quickly. Paul's beginning to talk about ministry. First, he says, submit your lives to God. He'll begin to direct your footsteps. You'll begin to fulfill the will of God. And then he starts talking about ministry. When he starts talking about ministry, he's not talking just to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He's talking to all of us. Everybody say me. me. Turn to your neighbor and say you. you. He's talking to all of us. He's talking to each and every one of us. And there's three things that he wants us to know about ministry. Number one, 
I need to be who God created me and gifted me to be. I need to be who I am and what God wants me to be, not somebody else. One of the greatest problems people have in the church is they all think they need to be somebody else. Can I tell you how excruciatingly painful it is to try to be somebody else? Most of us young ministers, let me back up and rephrase that. Most of us when we were young ministers. (laughs) Most of us as young ministers, we have certain ministers that really speak to us, that we copy them and we try to learn their ways and try to preach like them, you know. I'm going to be like this guy or I'm going to be like that guy, you know. And in, in your early years, you're trying to be what you think you're supposed to be, but there comes a time in life when you begin to understand who you are. It's the same with every believer. And Paul says, don't think of yourself outside of the box God created for you. Be who God created you to be because he didn't make any mistakes in how he created you. Come on, let me hear it. Now, I want you to hear this. This is really important. For about 30 or 45 minutes, say 45 minutes, 40 minutes, on a Sunday morning when I'm preaching, like today, for about 40 minutes, I might be the most important person in this body. But as soon as church is over and I stop speaking, you become the most important person in this church. You become the most important person in this church. Not me. I don't. Yeah, you do. I'm going to show you here in just a moment. Yes, you do. But the number one thing that we have to understand is God doesn't need you to be somebody else. He's already got somebody else. He needs you to be you because there is nobody quite like you. You, you have something to give that I don't. And there are going to be times when people call me and say, oh, I've got this and this. Can you help me? And I'm going to say, yeah, I can help you. Let me get a hold of Joe because Joe has just what you need. All of us have something to give, but we need to be who God created us and gifted us to be. Number two, the second thing Paul tells us here is, I have a unique, important, needed function within the body of Christ. Now, I want you to say this with me. I have a function. And you know what? It's important. It's just as important as my function. It's just different. Your gift, your ability, your natural process that God has developed in you. It's important to other people. It's just as important as mine. And at times, it's more important than mine. When it's needed, it's important. But we need to be in place. Not a piece of the puzzle that's missing, but we need to be in place, connected with people so we can give what God has given to us. Jesus said it this way, freely you've received, freely give. What do you give? You give away what you've received. Your life, your gifts, your experience, your abilities. Each and every one of us were important to God's plan and to the body. Number three, the third thing Paul says here, and I think a lot of Christians don't understand this. Two things in this number three. Number one, he says, we are all members of Christ's body. How many understand that? Everybody get it? Give me a bobblehead, okay? There we go. Make sure I got you. We're all members of Christ's body. But he also says in the second part of this, when we become members of Christ's body... We become members of each other. 
I have a responsibility to God. I'm accountable to God to be who he created me to be. But I also become responsible and accountable to other people around me for being connected and being in place so they can minister to me and I can minister to them. Let me, let me show you this. See this body? It's pretty amazing. It's, it's well balanced. You say, how do you know? Because the bubble's in the middle. <coughs> That's good. My, my son goes to the gym all the time, and he told me, he said, you need to go to the gym. You need to get in shape. I said, round is a shape. You know, what's, what's the problem here? I am in shape. I'm just in a different shape. I won't tell you what my wife says about that. But, 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 but listen to this for a minute. One of the things I do Sunday mornings when I preach, it's just my habit, it's just my style. You know, we, our, our building's kind of wide. I like to speak to everybody in the whole building, from this side to that side, up there to the, the whole building. So I, I walk around, and I, I move around a lot when I speak. Some people are distracted by that because they want me to wear my robe and stand here, but I, that's not me. So I, I, I walk around because I want to talk to everybody. But can I tell you something? I walk around because I have feet that's attached to an ankle bone, that's attached to a leg bone and a knee bone and a thigh bone and into the hip. Can you imagine how much walking around I would do if I did not have a femur right here in my leg? I wouldn't be walking around, I'd be hopping. If it was true on both legs, I wouldn't go anywhere. I looked like Tim Conway back in the old days trying to shuffle across <laughs> the stage, you know. I do this, why? Because I have all the pieces of the body in place. And it's not distracting to most people that I can move around and talk to you. Same with my hands. You know, I, it so happens I like to use my hands because it's a big building and the expressions seem to make a point and get people's attention. I'm not as bad as my wife. She, she knows sign language. I don't know any of it. But when she talks, she, she was telling me the last time she preached on Sunday morning, she was up here talking and she kept thinking, what in the world's going over? What's that distraction? And she looked to see what was moving around and it was her hands on the screen. <laughs> I mean, you ought to see us driving down the freeway in the car when she gets going. I'm dodging, you know, and trying to stay. No, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. It's not that bad, and I'll be reminded when I get home today that it's not that bad. <laughs> but the point is, we do these things because we have parts of the body in place. If I didn't have arms, my hands would be glued to my shoulders, and I'd be doing this on Sunday mornings. But you know what? The ability of this church sometimes hamstrung and limited because bones and joints and parts of the body are not in place and somebody comes crying for help and the person that has the answer is not there to answer the cry that's why we need to be connected and the conclusion of all of this God needs me in place and I need to find my place now look at verse number 6 of Romans 12 I'm going to move quickly. Verse 6 of Romans 12. He continues with the subject of ministry. Notice what he says. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. In other words, each one of us has different gifts. Let us use them. Let us use them. Let us use what? The gifts. Where do they come from? Let us use the gifts that... Why did God give us gifts? To be a blessing, to minister to people. 
See, you know, I've heard a lot of my life, well, I'm not called to be a preacher. Thank God. If God hasn't called you to be a preacher, wipe your brow, say hallelujah, and go be what God's called you to be because you don't want to try if you're not supposed to be doing this. Somebody asked me a few weeks ago, how do you do that on Sunday mornings? I don't know. I'm just gifted to do it. I study. I get up and I do it. That's just my calling. Don't try to be somebody or not, but be who God's called you to be. Here's what he says next. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, there's that word ministry, it means serving. Or in serving, let us use it in our ministering or our serving. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. When each one of us as pieces of the puzzle are in place, ministry becomes complete throughout the body of Christ. Because we're all wired differently and gifted differently to do different things. See, through the years, church world has missed it because we have titles for people. Well, this is brother so-and-so, and this is brother so-and-so, and this is elder so-and-so, and this is bishop so-and-so. And we pass out all these titles. And you know what? Titles don't mean nothing. It's not about titles. It's about function. It doesn't matter what they call you. If you're not functioning in that capacity, we've missed the point. I'd rather have a church full of people that don't have any titles that are out functioning than a thousand people who are gathered together with titles who don't function. We're called to function, not bare titles. But, but here's what he says, and let me run through this list. When we are born, we have certain abilities. Whether we're believers or unbelievers, as human beings, we're born with giftings, with strengths. Every person has strengths, which means we also have weaknesses. But all of us have these gifts when we're born that God gives us at creation. And, and Paul kind of lumps them together here. Let me just walk through them. I'm not going to argue about, is this all over? No, just, just, let's just walk through what he said and look at it. First of all, he says, what about prophecy? What if God's given you prophecy? Well, prophecy means two or three things in Scripture. One, it means to foretell things. Some people are called and they, they're gifted to foretell things. Prophecy also means to declare what God has said, which means some teaching that is real direct and in your face and real black and white, oftentimes that's prophecy. It's declaring something that God has said just as God has said it. But some people are also wired with this wiring that's kind of a prophecy wiring where everything you see in life is black and white. There's a line drawn. There's no gray areas. It's either right or it's wrong. It's black or it's white. And, and you, you may not always be right, but you are never in doubt because you're wired that way. You're just convinced. And you know what? There are times in our lives when we need somebody who's wired that way to come and speak into our lives a real straightforward word of what God says or where we need to go from here. There are going to be times in life when you need that. And what he says is, if you're wired with prophecy, if you see everything, here's what, here's what somebody does that's motivated by prophecy. They look at a situation, and when you're in a mess, they look at you and say, well, stupid, you shouldn't have done that. If you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be here. Don't you love those kind of people? Especially when you're hurting. I mean, when you're hurting, you don't want to get a hold of that guy. You want to wait until you're recovering to get a hold of that one, okay? <laughs> but yet, there's a time and a place for that gifting. 
And he says, if that's the case, if you're wired that way, then do so according to your faith. What you know to be right, what God gives you, what God tells you to speak. Speak that word. Don't say anything else. Just speak what God says. Leave it alone and move on. We need that gift sometimes. Second of all, he said, what about ministry or serving? When the first service was over today, I went back to my office and uh, my grandson was back there and uh, I need to take care of him for a minute. So I walked out back with him to get his attention, you know, on something else. So I carried him out back and my heart was so touched to see a ton of people lined up. A lot of people lined up at community care getting food and getting clothing for this week. And Pastor Corey was sharing a message and I, I listened to him, a message of hope and faith. I listened to that and I saw all those people back there not just the ones who came with needs, but I saw our people back there serving, taking their groceries, taking them to the car. One guy was out there at the car helping a couple who couldn't hardly walk get onto the cart so we could drive them around to get their food. I watched all these people, and I don't know how many were back there, but there were a lot of people back there serving people in need. And my heart was so touched. And what Paul said was, if your gift is to serve, if you just want to help people and serve people, if that's what you're called to do, he said, then go serve. Just go serve. Don't worry about anybody else. Just go do what God's called you to do and serve. Some of us are wired that way because God needs it in the body. And then next you talk about teaching. You know, we need teaching. Teaching is when somebody can take a subject, break it into a hundred pieces, explain the whole thing, put it back together, and all of a sudden, well, that makes sense. Now I know how to proceed from here. There are times in our lives when we need teaching. If you're called to teach, Paul said, then go find where God needs you and start teaching. Just go get plugged in, get connected. There will be opportunities to teach the Word of God to people. Then next he said exhortation. What is exhortation? Well, exhortation, of course, if you shorten it, it means to exhort. What it really means is to encourage. I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but let me explain the difference. When you're hurting and you're on bottom, and your life is falling apart, and you say no, see no way out, usually you need somebody who is an exhorter or an encourager. They'll come along beside you. They may not quote any scripture. They may not have any fancy words for you, but they'll sit there and tell you how unfair life is and how tough it is, and you shouldn't be in this place, but God's got a better plan, and some way, somehow, down the road, it's going to work out. And after they've talked for about five or ten minutes, giving you all the jelly and all the stuff, it's like, wow, you know what? It is going to be okay. That, you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want the prophecy guy coming in telling you how dumb you are for getting there. You want the exhorter to encourage you to get out of there. See, some of, you, some of you are wired that way. You're exhorters. And Paul said, man, if exhortation is your gift, then get out there and encourage people. Can I tell you something? If you're not connected to people, you can't encourage people. That's your gifting. Use it. And then next he says, giving. You know, some people are wired that they just do really well in business. And they've got an abundance. And their thing is giving. They just love to give and help people. Paul said, if that's your main gift, if giving is your thing, if making money and having wealth to be a blessing to people, if that's your gifting, he says, do it. Give, but give liberally. Don't be stingy about it. Give and bless people. And then move on and let God work the rest of it out. They talked about leadership. Some of you are wired at birth by God to lead things, to help lead. 
You want to organize, you want to get things structured, you see a better way out from here, that's your calling. He said, if that's your calling, be diligent and just go lead. Just go do your part. And then finally, he talked about mercy. He said, if mercy is your gift, then you need to cheerfully use it. Let me explain this one to you, because I shared this first service, and I got a, got a few boos, only one or two, I think, but there was a few. You know, mercy people driving down the road, oh my God, there's a stray cat in the road. Oh my God. I mean, they'll slam on the brakes, turn the car sideways, do a Brody, and they'll spin out, block all the lanes of traffic. Oh, oh. You know what? Can I tell you something? If there's a stray cat in the road and I'm on the road in my car, do not ask me to come help with the cat because I know what to do with my car and a stray cat. I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's always somebody that has to be. See, that's your gifting. But I have a different gift. I can solve that problem. <laughs> I'd give that cat an eternal home, you know. Please, I'm just, I'm just joking. Yeah, Luke. I don't care who you are. That there's funny. <laughs> You know, mercy people. I mean, every time there's a problem, oh my God, we have got you, we got, we got to do something about this. And here the prophet goes by and says, Well, if the dummy hadn't done that, they wouldn't be in that place. <laughs> Teacher comes by and says, I can give you nine ways, nine steps to take to get out of that mess. Somebody comes along with money and says, Here, here's here's 30 bucks, that'll help you for the moment. But here's this person, they're gifted with mercy, and they want everybody in the world to feel the same way, but they don't. Don't get mad at people. He said, if you've got that gift of mercy, just be cheerful and help people as you can. What's the point? When we're connected to people and all the gifts are there, somebody has a need, we'll all get together and we'll meet the need because one person will do one thing, one person does another, and one person does another. That's why Paul said we're members of each other because everybody has something to give and there are times in our lives when all of us need to receive. Each of these gifts has a place and a purpose, but you cannot fulfill your purpose if you're not connected and not in place. You know, it, it's, it's the cry of my heart that everybody who calls this church home would get involved in the connect group, get involved in serving somewhere in the church. The, the process here is really easy. We have connecting point next month on a Sunday evening. Come to connecting point. We'll get you connected. Why? Because you're valuable to God. You've got gifts that we need. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, I'll, I'll run into new people, and they walk in and see the children's ministry and the youth ministry, and they see the worship, and they see ushers and greeters and people in the parking lot and people at community care, and they walk in and say, wow, you guys kind of got it all covered. There's no place for me. My response is, are you kidding me? We need twice as many people right now as we have who will get connected, who will serve, who will give what they have, who will love each other, who will find ways to encourage each other. Because I'm going to tell you something. Between Sundays, you might very well become the most important person in this entire church. I don't have time to teach it all, but 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talked about manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some people are conditioned that they go to church, they want to see gifts of the Spirit. Can I tell you something? Get connected in a connect group and let the Holy Spirit work through you. Because when people get together with needs in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit begins to work in amazing ways. 
get connected. I open with this and I close with it today. Ministry happens in many different ways. Ministry happens in many different places. Ministry happens through any willing believer. And then I close with a question and an answer to the question. Can anyone tell me what the most important gift is or what the most important ministry is? It's the one you need right now. It's the one that's needed right now, which means in any given situation, any one of us can be the answer to someone's prayer. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you. While heads are bowed, let me, let, me, let me pray this prayer just to open your heart. Father, I pray for every person in this house today. We're the body of Christ. We answer to you, but we answer to each other because you've gifted us to be the answer. God, I pray that for every person who hears this message, they would find their home church, they would find their place, they would get connected. Even if they've never done it before, even if they've had some bad experience somewhere before, even if they're, they've got concerns and they're, they're afraid of rejection or they're afraid that they won't be received, God, help them to take that step. And they're going to find that there are people who open their arms and gladly receive them and encourage them. God, help us to be pieces of the puzzle that are in place, making a difference in other people's lives. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed for one last moment, maybe you're here today, maybe you've listened to this message, and maybe it sounds wonderful, but you stop and say, but I, I really am not in relationship with God. And, and yeah, I'd love to help people. I'd love to use my life in a positive way, but I am not in relationship with God. You know, our sin separates us from God. But God solved that problem when he sent his own son to earth to die for our sins. Because if we put our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for our sins, we believe he died for us and was raised from the dead, we understand that our sins can be forgiven and we can become the children of God. We can come into God's family. God loves you so much. He values you so much. He not only put gifts in your life, but he also made a way for you to become a part of his family, have all your past washed away so that you can get involved in making a difference in people's lives. You receive from him healing and health and restoration, and then you share it with others. Maybe that's you today, but you've never given your life to God. Today, maybe God is knocking on the door of your heart and you're realizing, I need, I need to open my life to God. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just words, but it's words that ask God to come into your life. I'm going to ask everybody in the building to pray this prayer with me. Right out loud. Please pray this and wrap your heart around it. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I accept his sacrifice. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out, one day at a time. And use my life for your glory, to help others. From this moment forward, I'll learn your ways. And like a son, I will follow you. You will be my father. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Amen. This morning, first of all, I want to ask every believer, find your place. Find your place. If you don't know where it is, talk to one of the pastors. We'll get you plugged in. We'll help you find your place. But second of all, if you prayed this prayer today and you've never done this, or maybe you've just gotten a long, long way off, maybe you got lost and you're coming home today, let me tell you something. You just made the greatest, most important decision of your life. We want to help you get started walking with God. It's our responsibility to do that. So the way we do it here at the bridge is we've got a little booklet, simple learning tool called The Next Seven Days. It's got seven different lessons for each of the next seven days this week. Short readings that'll help you understand God's plan for your life, how life is different now, what, what prayer is all about, what the Bible's all about, what faith is all about, what the Holy Spirit's about. We want to give this to you and get you started walking with God. So when service is over today, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone about any need. But if you just walk up to the front and say, hey, can I get one of the booklets? They'll give it to you right there. If you've got questions, they can help you. If you want prayer for something, they'll help you. If you just want to get it and go, no problem. We want to get you started walking with God. If you're in a big rush, you can go to the exit doors, the glass doors as you leave the building. Right in the middle, there's a table set up that's got a sign that says the next seven days. Stop by there and say, can I get one of the booklets? They'll give it to you. No strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you. Best decision, most important decision you can ever make in life. Can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family?